Welcome, everybody, to the Security Guy and the CIA Spy Show podcast, where we are keeping you on top of what is new and ahead of what is next at all times on all things security, tech, and digital literacy. Knowing that when good people like you want to make sure that their money, their family, and their business is safe and secure from attackers, hackers, and thieves, or you just want to make sure your tech is running smoothly, my name is Robert DeSoliano. I am the security guy, and along with my co-host, Peter Wormka, who is a real and retired United States CIA spy, we will give you every single tool, tip, tactic, and skill that you need to fight the bad guy and keep your physical and digital life secure, worry less, and even make you happier. This podcast will help you breathe easier with less stress and a greater sense of well-being. So let's get at it. And welcome to the security guy and CIA spy. I am Robert Siciliano and this is Peter Warmka. Robert, how are you today? Hey, Peter. I'm doing pretty good. Nice to see you. Yeah, almost the end of the week. Great. Those of you who don't know, Peter is an actual uh, retired CIA spy. Peter, like uh, for those who are seeing us live on LinkedIn and live on Facebook, live on Twitter and live on YouTube, uh, tell them a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I spent over 23 years as a case officer with the Central Intelligence Agency and almost that entire time, over 20 years, I was overseas. I, I claim to be a specialist in how to breach security of organizations. Uh, as I did that to collect intelligence uh, requ- you know, requ- against the requirements I would receive. And I would breach the security predominantly through the targeting of insiders. So I've turned that around now after retiring to work with organizations, uh, both from the private sector as well as uh, public sector. And because we know that, that the security breaches are happening all of the time, they're on the increase and it's across the entire spectrum. It's not only these really big companies that we hear about because that's what makes the press, right? But we got a lot companies of all sizes. So I work with organizations to help sensitize them regarding the threats and to help them understand that their weakest link, but the most, the, what should be the strongest part of their defense is going to be their employees. So helping work, work with their employees to change their mindsets and help them to to uh, combat this huge problem of, of human hacking. So let me ask you, when you were a CIA spy, did you lie? So, well, the thing is now, do I lie today? If I say, if I did did lie or I didn't lie, how would you know? I guess you assume that I'm being truthful. <laughs> of course, of course, there were times when I had to lie. You know, we, we, can, we can have a whole program on online. Actually, I'm going to be presenting uh, some presentations regarding how to spot a liar. But yeah, I had to lie to protect my cover. At, at different times, because if I were to go out and say, hey, I'm with the CIA spy, I'm a CIA, and who, who would like to work with me? People are going to say, no way, right? So I had to protect that cover. I, I had to approach them with another a pretext uh, to get them to trust me and, and then eventually work with them. Uh, but yeah, I had to lie. Uh, it was part of the job. So a pretext is um, a form of disinformation, correct? Uh, yes. And to a certain degree, it is disinformation, at least regarding the, uh, who, you know, who I generally am and what am I after, right? That's, I'm feeding disinformation to get them to, to trust me. Because if I were to give them the the real reality, uh, once again, the real truth, let's say, they might not want to, uh, you know, they might be very reluctant to cooperate with me. 
Well, that is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. So uh, here, uh, CNBC uh, talks, uh, Department of Justice charges three Russians with running foreign influence and disinformation network in the U.S. Uh, this was published uh, just this week. So the Department of Justice is charging a high-ranking Russian legislator and two of his staffers with running a years-long scheme to influence U.S. officials by peddling disinformation to advance the Kremlin's interest, court documents showed. So essentially, uh, these were likely, you know, uh, Russian legislators who were functioning as spies for the uh, Kremlin. Uh, the three men worked to undermine America's international alliances, evade U.S. sanctions, and promote Russia's illicit, illicit actions uh, designed to destroy the sovereignty of Ukraine, according to an indictment. Their scheme included staged events, paid propaganda, and the recruitment of at least one American citizen to do their bidding in unofficial capacities, the indictment alleges. Yeah, okay. this happens all of the time. And I'm glad they're taking, they've actually taken some action, identified these individuals, whether or not they were brought to justice. I mean, in, in U.S. courts is a whole nother thing, right? But at least, at least they're going after some of these people. And that's important. Yeah. So um, I, um, ha I wrote an article uh, not too long ago in regards to disinformation, right? Uh, disinformation, fake news, how the weaponization of social media has you conned. And that's partly what, you know, the uh, Russian ambassador or intelligence officer was doing. So this post that talks about it takes a hard, honest look at what's happening right now. You either get it or you're a victim of what's going on. Uh, victims who read this will trash it and deny the reality of what they read. Denial is warm and comfortable, as I always say. The truth is cold and can hurt, and nobody likes to admit that they're wrong ever. So, you know, I expect, expect plenty of haters if uh, you don't like what you're hearing. So I often say, Peter, and uh, people don't like it when I say it, is that people are much like cattle or sheep. They want to be led. Okay. So when you have a U.S. official that says and does things and people cheer that person on and uh, others say, well, that guy's lying or she's lying and you really shouldn't trust what they're saying because, you know, it's not true. And then people respond, well, well, maybe it's the media that's lying. Maybe it's you that's lying. And so we disagree as to what's the truth and what's not, right? Well, that's very true. And you know that this is important to distinguish between disinformation and misinformation. Disinformation is that whoever is communicating the information knows that this information is false. And they're intentionally put disseminating it, putting it out there to deceive and to manipulate the public versus Misinformation is when people are continue to pass on information. It's like someone that might be reading an article on Facebook or, uh, that, that is not totally true, not totally correct. They're not realizing it. They believe it's true and they will pass that on. They will share it or they will talk to their friends about, about what's going on. You know, they heard it, they saw it and, and, and that could be misinformation, but they're not intentionally trying to mislead. They think the information is true, but they're passing it on. So that's, that's a very important I think, distinction between those two types of things. We're, we're, we're talking about specifically disinformation, yeah. intentional you, deceit, deception. You definitely are the expert here. So here's how it's done, right? So many of you uh, may recall back in uh, 2018, 19, um, there was an expose regarding Cambridge Analytica uh, on behalf of its clients. And Cambridge Analytica was a um, company that had essentially access to Facebook's info, you and I, uh, they, on behalf of their clients, specifically weaponized social media using disinformation 
to win elections here in the U.S. and overseas. It was first tested in third world countries uh, when uh, Brexit and most recently to win the United States presidential election, as has been documented in a lot of different places. Uh, here's a breakdown of what is believed to be the basis of how it used social influence to change hearts and minds. It goes on to say that company leaders understood that the weaponization of social media is the act of manipulating facts by spreading fake news for propaganda. This act is accomplished by a coordinated effort using viral memes, emotionally charged videos, and clickbait headlines. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I would post something in opposition of, of misinformation or disinformation that was being posted by others that I was consuming, and I would respond with and say, hey, this is actually BS. You need to go to this particular source, and this is the actual real information, because those of you who are regurgitating, repeating, sharing this information, in effect, you are perpetuating a lie, misinformation, disinformation. And when I would do that, my feed would begin to fill up with what was likely Russian bots or humans that were feeding into the lie and telling me that I'm lying. Yeah. Telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about and basically like repeating or regurgitating the lie. And I know it was like either, I know it was either bots or it was humans that were working for say the disinformation campaign because of the nature of their communications mm -hmm. being relatively robotic copying and pasting information that you'd see elsewhere. Like it was coordinated opposed to it being one of my friends or followers, mm -hmm. you know, and then my friends and followers who I might have been in say opposition with, or we might not have been on the same page politically would then echo the sentiments of the bot. Mm -hmm. And it would just get ugly. And I'd be like, you know, Barbara, do you realize what you're saying that you are echoing what is being perpetrated by a, a Russian bot. Like, think for yourself, you know, go to the source, like look at the actual, you know, source of the information of what's correct versus this right, 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 right wing propaganda machine that really is designed to, uh, you know, confuse you and others like you to get you to believe things that simply aren't true. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, this technique um, for effective disinformation campaigns, usually it's going to include kernels of truth, all right? There's going to be some real information, accurate information that's put out there to sort of hook the individual because we all tend to believe in things that we all, I mean, to, to, to be more accepted, to, to, uh, pay attention more and to accept information that we already sort of believe in. If we hear something, oh yeah, that I believe in that, I've seen that. And then so you, they will provide a number of kernels of truth, but then with, you know, mixed in with that is going to be their disinformation message. So a person will hear part of it and say, yeah, oh yeah, that's true, I heard that. Uh, and then they'll, they'll pretty much go with everything that's put in there because right. they believe it's coming from, a, from a, an accurate source. So it's sort of a, it, it's, it's an art form really. Yeah, it's an art form and it's fundamentally a lie. So mm -hmm. here, 
one of the methodologies, one of the motivations for, for disinformation, if you don't already know, listening audience, is to divide and conquer. That's the ultimate goal of fake news, misinformation, disinformation. The desired outcome of disinformation by its author, in this case, let's say Russia in regards to the Ukraine, uh, is to divide and conquer or rule the persons who are manipulated by it. Okay, so uh, for, for those that are living in Russia right now, um, they are receiving all kinds of disinformation. The Oxford Dictionary defines divide and conquer is the policy of maintaining control over one's subordinates or subjects by encouraging dissent between them. Uh, in other words, from the perspective and motivation of the con man, don't trust them, trust me. So in the case of Ru the Russian propaganda machine that's being perpetrated overseas in Russia, even in the Ukraine and definitely here in the United States, you've got the Kremlin saying, hey, don't trust them, trust me. You know, divide, right? And even here in America, where you have uh, the left, you have the right, you have Republicans, you have Democrats, the goal of a disinformation campaign perpetrated by Russia is don't trust Republicans, trust Democrats. Don't trust, don't trust Democrats, trust Republicans to divide us as a society so that we don't trust each other. And that's right. their point and purpose. That's what they want. They want us to not like each other. They want us to never find common ground. They want to separate us so that instead of being one, we are divided in half. Very, very true as a nation, but even though it's, it's sort of interesting because the Russians, Russians are not the only ones that, that do this, but they're sort of the ones that have been in this game for the longest period of time have been very effective. There is a book I think I mentioned on the previous show, uh, Robert, but I wanna also mention it again today because we're specifically talking about disinformation. Uh, the book is called Active Measures, How the Secret, the Secret History of Disinformation and Political Warfare, written by Thomas Ridd, really, 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 for anyone interested in the topic, I highly recommend it because it goes back at analyzing when uh, the KGB established a special directorate to focus specifically on what we call disinformation, but also referred to as active measures. And it was very much focused at that particular time and how to sow division between the United States and its allies. You know, Western, you know, Germany, uh, France, and, and other allies to basically try to weaken, try to weaken the, the the allies, and then eventually try to weaken NATO, right? Try to weaken the NATO states, the relationship, and they continue to do that. So uh, they've been at it for a a long time. And there's a, in this book and other other publications, there's a lot of case studies that really get into detail about about how this is how they have been doing it, which is pretty relevant today. And you you're mentioning how try to divide a society. And yeah, we've seen a lot of this over the last couple of years in the United States uh, in a variety of topics, right? Topic of Black Lives Matters, topic of uh, COVID. Uh, and you see, you see the two sides and it's like, wow, it's almost like a civil war on how people come down on, on, on two or three sides of an issue. And a lot of that, of course, they're not behind, they're not causing you know, this per se, but they are aggravating, they're using it, they're manipulating it. These are just, um, you know, topics that they can really leverage and, and be able to disseminate information, whether it's through their own uh, sources or, or assets, individuals who already have a listening audience, 
who have who write for major articles, who have maybe uh, who have podcasts, okay, or who uh, have you know blogs on Facebook, they will have individuals on their payroll who will be actually working to conduct these type of things. Yeah, like Tucker Carlson. <gasps> I didn't yeah. say that, did I? <laughs> hey, I'm just kidding, right? Mm. Okay, on that one, <laughs> right? So, disinformation, also known as desinformatia. Disinformation fundamentally is lying. Fake news used to be spread by the spoken word only, but with the invention of the printed word and the press, disinformation was spread using pamphlets, leaflets, books, magazines, political cartoons, and planted in clandestine newspaper articles. Agents of influence, political spies, like you had mentioned, journalists, can all be used to spread disinformation. As you, the expert, said, digitally, social media spreads fake news like the proverbial wildfire, which is a huge problem, and leverage for the bad guy. Uh, in this case, you know, Cambridge Analytica, the Kremlin, and so forth. The birth of the word disinformation comes from the Russian word desinformatia, mm -hmm. right? Desinformatia, Joseph Stalin coined the term in 1923, derived from the title of the KGB Black Propaganda Special Disinformation Office Department. Yep. Disinformation was formally defined in the Great Soviet Encyclopedia in 1952 as false information with the intention to deceive the public. Dis disinformation, the Russians created it. They built it. It was born of their intellect. And they are the best at it. And it now has been perfected through science, through companies like Cambridge Analytica. And it is being used to influence us via social media all day, every day. And from my perspective, you are either sheep or cattle being led, or you are questioning what you are reading and you are finding out what is real and what is fake. Or again, you're just a victim of it. And people who are a victim of it often will deny that they are a victim of it, that they just want to believe that this person who is spouting all of this BS is in fact legit because they want to believe in that person. Their heart of hearts want to believe in that individual. Like right now, millions and millions and millions of people in Russia want to believe that Putin is a good guy. They want to believe that. They don't want to believe that the guy that is in charge of their country is indiscriminately killing women and children who are waiting for the train. They don't want to believe that. So mm -hmm. the moment that you tell them that what Putin is telling you is a lie, they will yell and scream at you because they don't want to believe that because it's too difficult for them to believe that their guy, Putin, is a bad guy. They want to believe he's a he's a good guy, so they would prefer to believe the disinformation than the truth. It's a little bit more it's more difficult for them, in all fairness, though, to the Russian public, to really get try to make an informed an informed decision about events, right? Because here, you know, in the Western world, the United States, we have freedom, you know, freedom of press. We have a we, we I mean we can, we can get into discussion about. Different types of censorship, but for the most part, it's a pretty free society in regard to sharing of information of all you know opinions. But right now, and Russia, of course, a lot of the information they receive is censored, you know, because they live in that authoritarian uh, society where a lot of the uh, information is basically they don't have 
they don't necessarily have access, ready access to it that, uh, compared to what we would have. At all. Like they don't have um, Wall Street Journal, New York Times. They don't have USA Today. And even those publications lean a little bit left, lean a little bit right, a little bit of left to center, a little bit of right to center. And then you have all your left leaning and right leaning. And But they don't even have that. They have, you know, government issued information that that and that's it. They block Facebook. They block LinkedIn. They block social media entirely. They, they and the only way that their citizens can actually get legit information from other countries is by using a VPN, a virtual private network that allows them to um, access IP addresses or, or change their IP address to, to look like it's coming from, say, you know, Italy or Poland or wherever uh, that will allow or facilitate access to news beyond their borders. I mean, we heard stories right in the in the news about uh, family members, you know, for example, people in Ukraine getting getting telephone calls from relatives in Russia. And when their family in Ukraine is telling this is what's happening, their family in Russia doesn't want to accept it. They don't want to they, they can't imagine that's happening. That's not what they're seeing in their trust through the trusted media sources. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the five P's of persuasion, and my guess is, Peter, that, you know, being a uh, former CIA agent, that you have engaged in a lot of these processes, and, and I'm sure that you teach it as well, or at least in such a sense that so your audiences understand what to look out for, because I do the same thing regarding social engineering. Every time an email comes in, every time the phone rings, every time you get a text message that you have to pay attention to what it is that you're consuming and what you're clicking and what you're doing and how it might affect your identity or your client data and so forth. So the five P's of persuasion are, you know, uh, psychographics, right? Uh, this is the study of people based on their aspirations, attitudes, and other criteria. And it is especially the case in market research. Now, the study of psychographics is a methodology that is used to describe a person based on their psychological attributes. This method has been applied to studying values, attitudes, personality, opinions, lifestyles, and interests. And we saw a lot of that in the Cambridge Analytica um, mm -hmm. scam, where they would basically determine if you are uh, Republican, Democrat, left, right, pro-abortion, anti-abortion, pro-gun, anti-gun, and so forth. And they would serve up or feed you information based on your preferences. And they would then counter that information, get you all upset. Um, you know, they would they would send people information regarding if you if you were like a hard line you know on the right they would send you information against blm uh that would uh, upset you so you'd be against blm and so on right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. psychological operations psyops are used to convey certain pieces of indicators and information to an audience to influence their motives objective reasoning and emotions it can ultimately affect the behavior of organizations governments and individuals uh, not much different than psychographics, uh, but uh, parallel psychological warfare, right? Which is, um, you know, uh, a little bit of gaslighting as well, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the act of psychological warfare is planned use of threats, propaganda, and other non-combat techniques during the danger of war or even during a war. It uh, can also apply at, to any time of political unrest to demoralize, intimidate, influence the behavior or thinking of the enemy. And where we're seeing psychological warfare today is also in um, artificial intelligence leading to deep fakes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a growing topic, and it's and uh, 
it's just starting. It's just starting, but it's going to really, really, as the technology advances, um, it, it, it's an incredible tool for that, for good and for evil, really. Yeah. So, you know, propaganda ultimately is defined as the information that has no objectivity and is used to influence a specific audience or to further an agenda. This is often done by presenting selective facts to encourage a particular perception or synthesis or by using loaded language to create an emotional instead of a rational response to the given information. And that uh, emotional response opposed to rational, that is all of social media today. It seems to be, yeah. Right. And look at, you know, all of fraud is designed to elicit an emotional response, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, people aren't engaging rationally when they are, you know, providing all their sensitive information to a scammer who sends them off an email. They're engaging emotionally because they don't want to get in trouble or they think that it's going to benefit them in some way or or when they get involved in a romance scam. They're not doing it because they're rational. They're doing it because they feel a sense of what they think is love, but really it's an, it's it's wanting and needing and belongingness and it's all emotional, right? It's passion. And, and, and so disinformation, misinformation, all ultimately is to elicit an emotional response. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right with the uh, the passion, you know, especially with these romance scams, right? Because you see so many cases where, oh man, I'm hearing about this every day, you know, and, and from people from all levels of society to even corporate executives, individuals that you know have started companies and are worth millions of dollars, and all of a sudden they get caught up in a romance scam, and uh, they and they believe that person, and even if you know, you, you sometimes we get a call recently from a son of one of these executives who got sucked into this and and he's just really concerned he just sees this this guy just spending all kinds of money and he's trying to rationalize with his father but his father doesn't want to hear any of it because right. the father doesn't you know he is absolutely sure that that this is all legitimate and he's in love and you're right it's the passion and and they don't rational they don't it's hard to rationalize with them and and he and he, and he does not want to think that the person who he has this relationship with virtually is in fact, you know, some guy wearing sandals in a hut in Ghana. He, nobody wants to think that they've they've been scammed. Nobody wants to be called a victim. Nobody wants to, you know, consider themselves being vulnerable, right? Right, right. And and and, and so they dig their heels in and they take a har even harder line stance, uh, and they 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 will argue their position, which doesn't really solve anybody's problem. Uh, it ultimately causes, you know, more of a divide and ultimately it leads to, you know, people just fighting and arguing and yelling at each other. Whereas if you just kind of step back and say, well, maybe I am wrong. Maybe I, you know, didn't make the right choice. Maybe I didn't consume the right amount of information or the right information. Maybe I, you know, need to look at a different perspective here because maybe whoever's trying to tell me something might have a you know a valid point and maybe i should think about it and listen to it yeah and, and it's that like accessing your vulnerability your own vulnerability which i which i am a, i am of the belief myself that as far as i am concerned that there isn't a day that goes by that i personally do not learn something that I do not find that, oh, I did not know that. Like every day I find that, oh, I did not know that. Oh, that is new to me. Oh, I am 53 years old. I'm just figuring this out now. 
and, and I think that the moment that you in your life say, I know everything, that I'm pretty sure that I've got this whole thing figured out, that life, it makes total sense to me. And I've got my opinions all wrapped up and there's nothing you could tell me that I don't already know. I think the moment that you think that you know everything, that you know nothing. And you're so vulnerable. That is a, that is a huge vulnerability to think. Right. That you know, oh, it's huge. Mm -hmm. You know what I think uh, we need to see more of, you know, and, and it, there's been there's, there's thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people that have been burnt through romance scams or other types of cons, right? And many times they don't really want to come out and talk about it because they're, they feel really embarrassed, right? Or you, you know, you deal a lot with identity people that have suffered from identity theft, and you know, there's millions of people, but a lot of them don't like to talk about how some of their actions actually led them down that path, where allowed it to happen. But I think what, how we could really help each other. I mean, Robert, I, I mean, you, we can talk about this all the time, and other people that are kind of like experts in the industry. But right. when people hear testimonials of of people in their family or their neighbors or their friends or other people, testimonials of this is what happened to me and this is why it happened to me. This is how it really devastated me. And this is how I had to, you know, this is all the things I had to do to recover from it. I think we, if we were to hear more of those stories from the public and maybe in the future, getting some of our listeners to be able to come in and share some of those, their stories in, in regard would be, would be really valuable to our listeners. Agreed. So Peter, uh... What do you got going on these days? What do you want to promote? What do you want our uh, listeners, uh, viewers to uh, head to? I always, every time you give me an opportunity, I like to promote my my book. Uh, this, this actually goes into great detail about human hacking because it talks about, from my perspective of being a former uh, spy and how I breached security and how this is completely relevant to uh, human hacking today. So I promote that. I give a lot of presentations. I. I have training specifically geared toward uh, uh, organizations that want to want to learn more about this and companies. So I'm, I'm out in the road doing quite a few presentations now, and I'm getting uh, queries for more. And I'd be happy to entertain. Uh, just send me an email at uh, go to my website counterintelligence-institute.com for more information, and just send me off an email with a query. I'd be happy to to engage with anybody interested in the topic. Yeah, Peter is the real deal. He actually like goes to Langley and does presentations. So like he is the real deal. Yeah. Uh, I am at uh, protectnowllc.com. So me and my team, protectnowllc.com. Uh, Peter, I think I told you last time we spoke, we sent out like a dozen contracts in the past couple of weeks. Uh, organizations, associations, corporations are getting back to meetings and uh, bringing in security awareness trainers. And that's me. Uh, so yeah, you know, check us out at protectnowllc.com. We also have, um, a, like a dozen hours of e-learning that uh, your organization can consume. Uh, that would be under one of the tabs for cybersecurity training. So that's protectnowllc.com. And, uh, Peter, last words. Hey, good luck with the marathon. You are uh, getting ready, right? I am. Yes. Yeah. This is my 11th. So yeah. Fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah, thank Congratulations. You, and have a happy uh, weekend for those of you uh, that, that follow Easter. Happy Easter to the, to our listeners and to you, Robert. Um, stay safe out there. And be nice to each other. Thank you, Peter. Take care. Until next time.